Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. Good morning, guys. As uh, Rachel said, my name's Craig, if you don't know me. Um, it's great to be here this morning and uh, just be in the presence of God, to know him in our midst, to hear him speak through people and and share through us and work through us. You know, God, God loves us so much and he chooses to work through people like you. People like me. You know, what a God we have. He's not far off and distant. Like Peter said, he's, he's close. He's here. He's working. He's moving. No matter where we feel, feel where we're at, you know, God, God is here. God is working this morning. I don't want to leave that place. I don't, don't want to jump headlong into, you know, what I've got planned for this morning. I think it's worth us just taking a moment of quiet. Before I go on and preach, let's come to God the Father with our cares Let's come with our worries, our fears, the things we're chasing after, the things we feel he's offering us. Let's just come to him. And just give them to him. Ask them for him. He's a good father. He gives us good things. Maybe you're you're waiting for him to speak to you. Just wait on him and ask. You know, the church in, um, when, after Pentecost and the Holy Spirit descended, and the, Peter went out and he preached this fantastic sermon talking about the fact that the Spirit would be poured out on all peoples, and, you know, and um, in, the, in the last days, he's quoted from the prophet Joel, and the people were there and they saw what happened. They saw these men change, transform. These disciples, 120 were changed. They were different. There's something about them that was different. And you know, there's this great bit, you probably, some of you will remember, there's this great bit in the passage where it says, they think they're drunk. They think they're drunk. So there's something wrong with this lot. I think they're drunk. There's something really wrong. And they're like, no, no, it's only the third hour of the day. It's nine o'clock. Nine o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. This is a move of God. The move of his power in the city of Jerusalem. 
And we read of all the people who responded to that message, all the people who heard of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the King of Kings, Jesus who had been crucified. The city had seen him crucified, you know, six weeks before. This is Jesus who was resurrected from the dead by the power of God in him. He came, he came out of the tomb, resurrected from the dead. And then, you know, on on this day of Pentecost, the Spirit descended tongues of fire descended on the people and their lives were changed they were transformed and all the people heard this sermon and they get up and they go and uh, they start telling everyone else about what's happening and you know they have all things in common if you remember the verse and then uh, there's this jail situation and um, the believers gather to pray for boldness and again the Holy Spirit comes. They pray for boldness. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes in such a way that the walls shake. This isn't happy little feelings that we're talking about. This is the presence of Almighty God turning up, changing hearts, changing people, setting them on a new trajectory for their lives. So when we take those times of quiet, like this morning, and we reflect on who God is, we're changed. Is there something different about this morning? Is there something different about this time, this moment? I think there is. I think God's been knitting everything together this morning to come to this, to an awareness of the presence of God in our midst. God's good to us. And he equips us as well. He equips us for his good works. The Holy Spirit comes so that, not, not, just, not so we get to enjoy the fuzzy feeling, but he comes to equip us and empower us. And sometimes that equipping and empowering is a breaking of chains in our lives that have been holding us up and holding us and binding us up and tying us and stopping us from moving on and moving forward. And that's how he equips us for the mission. He breaks the chains. He sets his people free. Maybe you're struggling with chains this morning. Maybe things are tying you up today. And God wants to move. God wants to break those chains. He wants to set you free. Maybe you're waiting on a call. Maybe, maybe you're saying, well, I'll go and God tells me where to go. You know, maybe today he wants to tell you where that call is. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you, you work in our midst, you work in our hearts, you challenge us, you change us, you make us new. It's not about what we can do, because it's in our weakness that you're, you show your strength, Lord. So I pray that this morning, as I'm sharing from your word, and as we're dwelling in this place, where you're present, where you're working, Lord, change us. Equip us for the mission that you've got for us. Thank you, Lord God. We're saved by grace, not by works. But you call us to go and to be your disciples and to share your love with people around us. And that starts in this place. We share our love.
for you in this place, but we also go out and we share your love with those outside this place. So look, I'll be equipping us this morning. Equip us by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Mark, could you put up a, the present? Is there a present on there? I love Christmas. Um, maybe not quite as much as our last lead elder. Uh, he was absolutely besotted by Christmas. I love Christmas. I've already said to Karen, we need to get the tree down. But for me, when it comes to gifts, when it comes to presents, I always get a little bit nervous. Because I'm the sort of person who will ask for a very specific present. I'll send the URL to my dear wife and say, this is what I want. Don't want anything else. Um, and I get a little bit nervous about the weight. Did she click the right link? Did I get the right gift? And it's this whole long, drawn-out thing of waiting and waiting and waiting. And I get nervous, I get anxious, I get worried. I think I know what it is. I'm not quite sure. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, 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 uh, just waiting for that just, just worries me. leaves me worried. But what about us? What about the rest of us then? You know, what, what, what do we get nervous or excited waiting for? Maybe we've done exams. Maybe, maybe we're worried about our exam results. We just have to wait, though. There's nothing we can do about it. We just have to wait. Putting the car in for the MOT. It's only a short time to wait. You put it in the morning. You put the car in for the MOT. You say, oh, is it going to pass? Is it going to get through? Is it going to cost me a fortune? You just have to wait. One of my cars flew through the MOT. The other one didn't. Um, I just had to wait and find out. Christmas and birthday presents, you know, what are people going to buy me? Do they, re- do they really think I need another pair of socks? You just have to wait and see. Karen and I were chatting about this this week. Like, if you make a mistake, right? If you work a regular Monday to Friday, say, and you make a mistake on Friday, and you know there's nothing you can do about it till Monday, or you don't, you don't know if you're going to turn up on Monday and it's going to be an email, then you need to come to the office. You've got this wrong. You know, you've made the mistake. There's nothing you can do. You just have to wait. The positive side of teachers and, and that's those, those sorts of people who work in the schools and stuff like that. Um, you know, waiting for the holidays. <laughs> you know they're coming. You just have to wait. Our bigger things in life. Arrival of a baby. There's not much you can do. It, it, you just have to wait for the baby to come. You know, even when the medics get involved, it still takes time. You just have to wait. Your wedding day. Sometimes you just have to wait. You know, when we know what we're waiting for and when it's positive and it's a good thing, there's an eagerness, isn't there? You get excited? Or do we not get excited? Do we get excited, yeah? If it's something positive we're looking for? 
And it's an excitement, it abounds, it builds up in us. It's like, yes, it's coming, it's nearly here. But when it takes longer than we'd like, we might start to panic a bit. We might get a little bit fearful. What if it never happens? You know, waiting for my wife to be at the altar, you know, I was somewhat nervous that she wouldn't turn up. And I set a very, to try and control the situation and control my own fears and waiting, I set a time limit of 15 to 20 minutes. If you're not here in 15 to 20 minutes, I'm going. You know, if she'd have been late, I'd have panicked. Has she completely given up on the idea? What about all the money? What about the guests who are coming? But the time that I've devoted, desperately trying to woo her, you know, to get her to say yes. And then it came to it and she didn't turn up. Fortunately, she did. Just In the book and the film, uh, Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe, uh, in the realm of Narnia, there's this arrival moment. There's a realisation that things are changing because Father Christmas turns up. And that's the moment that they realise something's changing. A hundred years it's been winter in Narnia. Always winter, never Christmas. And then Father Christmas turns up. A sign of something that is coming, of something that has changed. It's a new season. The spell is starting to break. And we know in that moment that something is different, something's changed. We're... I'm kicking off our Advent series this morning. I know for some of you, you know, Craig, it's not Advent yet. It's like, well, I know that. But we've got a carol service, and I wanted to get four, four sermons in. Um, we're starting a week early, but I'm excited about Christmas. But there's something about waiting and waiting, hoping and trusting that surely it will arrive soon. As Father Christmas in Narnia points at the arrival of a new season and the land having waited so long, a sign that things were changing, that Aslan was on the move. You know, that this Father Christmas turning up is a sign that something's changing. Something's new. You know, a new season for Narnia was in sight at long last after all the waiting, all the hoping. And so as well in first century Palestine, in J- Jerusalem, people were waiting for salvation. They were waiting for a glimmer of hope. You know, at the time that this story, we find this story in Luke chapter 2, book of Luke chapter 2, And it's been 400 years since God's spoken. 400 years since there's been a prophecy or any word from God. In that time, the armies of Rome have come in and uh, Jerusalem is under uh, under Roman rule. And um, the people were in their own land. The, The people of Israel were in their own land. They're in Jerusalem. But they're under foreign rule. They're basically under exile where they are. Four hundred years of waiting for God to do something, and hope was probably wearing pretty thin. Carry on, you know, the priests do their stuff, they get on, do what they gotta do, you know, the kids get presented at the temple, which we'll come on to in a moment. You know, they do the sacrifices, they do everything they gotta do. But seemingly God's doing nothing. They've just got used to the status quo. Probably all out of help. Until one day. One day in the temple, an ageing man and woman were there, and they were about to be given that glimmer of hope. Our passage today is found in Luke chapter 2, 
um, verse 21 through to 38. Um, so it will come up here, um, but feel free to find it in your Bibles. It's good practice just to jump in your Bible, find the page, find Luke. comes um, between Mark and, uh, or on your app, <laughs> between Mark and John in the New Testament. Um, please do find it. Um, but it says this, When the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. If you're wondering who him is, it's Jesus. Um, Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This whole story is 40 days after the birth of Jesus, starting Advent at the other end of the story. Um, There's 40 days after his birth, and there's this, um, in the law of Moses, um, uh, after birth, a woman was impure for 40 days, and it took, you had to wait the 40 days, and then you took the child up to Jerusalem, up to the temple, and you presented him there to God. And um, when he's being presented, he's, uh, your, your firstborn son should be presented to the Lord. To the Lord. And um, uh, so they're going through this. And as part of that, the parents have to give a sacrifice. All right? And in this case, two turtle doves or two young pigeons. And it's actually a smaller offering than the ideal. Those who were a bit more well-off would give a lamb... Uh, sacrifice a lamb. So it just sort of reminds us that Jesus was born into, you know, not fantastic circumstances. He was humble. Okay? They were poor. He was, Dad was a carpenter. Joseph was a par- carpenter. And they weren't well off. So they come to do this because they, they, you know, they, they believe it's the right thing to do. You know, they've been raised as Jews and they, they go up to do this in the temple, and they encounter this man called Simeon. It's an older guy. Um, you know, what else do we know about him? Well, he was probably a priest. We don't know for sure, but it seems pretty likely he was a priest. He's probably the one doing the dedication, uh, the thanksgiving. And, um, 
it's generally assumed he's an older guy. You know, he's aware of his mortality. He, he's, you know, aware that, you know, well, before I die, Lord, when am I going to see this child? When am I going to see your salvation? It's probably, uh, so an older guy. Um, and what I find amazing, after all these years, these centuries of silence, centuries of God not speaking, God the Holy Spirit leads Simeon into the temple that day. guided by God to do this. And as well as that, it seems like Simeon had heard from God before. Right? God's obviously spoken to him before because God had promised him, oh, you won't, you won't die until you see my salvation. Simeon was a prophet. He'd heard God's promise. He'd see God's salvation plan, but he would see the cons- consolation, the comfort of Israel um, and you know, when, it, when the Bible talks about Israel's consolation, it's a term that's saying it's about the Christ, about the Messiah, the anointed one. And he also then goes on and prophesies about Jesus to Mary and Joseph. He declares Jesus to be God's salvation plan, a light to the Gentiles, people like you and me. Jesus, a light to people just like you and me, as well as to be the glory to God's people, Israel. Now, I know it's a bit odd, you know, how... Have we got any 40-day-old babies here? Maybe not 40-day. We've got some very young kiddies here. All right. And if you brought them into somewhere like this, <laughs> someone just like you, um, we've got some, someone just like this, okay, and some random older guy you've never met picks him up and, and starts prophesying about your son. Oh, this, this is the saviour. This is the one that is going to save the world. He's coming up. Someone rescue him before he breaks a cable. Come on, Hadley. There we go. (laughs) Well done. Good climbing. Um, You know, this random old guy turns up, all right, and picks up the child uh, and starts prophesying. So this is salvation. This is the glory. Going to be the glory of Israel. Light to the Gentiles. You'd be kind of like, okay. That's very interesting. Thank you very much. But not Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were amazed. You see, they've already experienced so much with this child. They've had the angelic visitations, angels speaking in dreams. They've had uh, turning up when Mary was pregnant at... Her, her cousin's um, house and the baby and her cousin jumping for joy in the spirit. Um, they've, had, they've had this whole birth situation, giving birth in a mucky old uh, stable where the animals sleep. And they've had these shepherds rock up in the middle of the night. Oh, we heard there was salvation here. We heard the, the, the king was here. And they were just like, oh, oh sorry, we've I've just given birth and now you lot have turned up in the middle of the night, you, you know, smelly shepherds. You know, they'd seen so much already. You know, and, and to top it all, um, you know, they hadn't even had sex and they had a child, they had a son, you know. Something, they're aware something odd is going on. <laughs> and so they were just amazed. You know, they, they've, they've seen so much already. It's like, oh, okay. Well, so everything we thought, we haven't told him this. Yeah, they haven't 
prepped him in advance, everything we thought we've heard so far is true. The next thing that you know, Simeon goes on to say um, is, is a bit more, you, know, you, hear, you hear the great message, the saviour, and then it's, but he's going to cause the fall and rise of many. It's going to be a sign that would be opposed. You know, we know that later in the life of Jesus, he prophesies and signals the destruction of the temple. The fact that Jerusalem itself would be destroyed. And the teachers of the law scorned him for it. We also know he performed signs in and around the city. They hated it. They hated the fact that he was healing the blind, healing the sick, making the lame well, raising the dead. He signalled this coming kingdom and he was opposed by those, his own people who were supposed to receive him. His falling and rising is likely referring to those who choose to follow him, who would fall from their own lives only to be lifted up by him. Alternatively, it could be those who physically lose their lives knowing Jesus, knowing that one day resurrection is coming. And finally, he spoke to Mary of the pain she was to suffer, to watch her child suffer, to be lifted up onto the cross and to die. Any parent losing a child experiences unspeakable grief. Let us never belittle the pain a mother would suffer watching her own child being nailed to the cross and dying. That brings us to the end of what Simeon said. What about this other person, this other lady who's who's turned up? Well, the Bible tells us she was a, a prophetess female prophet. Um, we're also told directly that she's elderly. You know, there's, depending on which translation you're reading, you know, she, might be, she might be 84 or she might be older than that. Um, and like Simeon, she finds herself at the temple at the very time that Jesus was there being presented. But interestingly, she's known not to leave the temple. She's there day and night, fasting and praying. Day and night, fasting and praying, fasting and praying. And she's one looking forward to the redemption of Israel. She's looking forward to the arrival of something. You see, in that 400 years, stuff happened, but the Messiah didn't come. So-called Messiahs turned up, but they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And then Jesus turns up. So she's looking forward to this redemption. and She, she sees him and she knows that this is him. This is God's anointed one. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This is the one that is going to actually achieve all the, all the salvation that it was supposed, he was supposed to achieve. He was going to be the one who would bring freedom for Jerusalem and Israel. And so she goes off. You know, she she fights, sees him. It's like, it's him. Right? I've got to tell everyone. I've got, to, I've got to go. Those who are waiting, I know there are people waiting for the redemption of Israel. Go and tell them. And she goes off and she tells everyone that she'd seen him, that he was here. And I think there's something in all of us that we find in similar with Anna and Simeon. Um, we're all waiting for different things, aren't we? All right, we've had a little bit of time already just to dwell and sit 
and think, God, I want healing. God, I want to be set free of this sin in my life. God, I want to, um, I want to go where you're telling me to go. We're all waiting for different things. You know, Simeon and Anna were waiting for the Messiah to come. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for in this place today? Why don't we share? Right? If there's something you're waiting for and you're able to, you feel appropriate for it too. Why don't you share? Shout out now what you're waiting for at the moment. What you want God to do. Amen. Conversion of salvation for bullying thirst. Excellent. Revival. Great. Hadley's parents. Yeah, absolutely. What else are we waiting for? Anything you're waiting for personally that you can share? Hadley's trying to share. All about freedom from the things that have been tying you up. What about God to speak? You might have been waiting years and you've been waiting and waiting. You might be waiting for the next step up in the job. You might be waiting to get married or have children. Are we waiting for the ideal life? The perfect time? Just, just when that stuff's all done, then I'll do what he's telling me to do. Has God made a promise in your past? Has God said something to you? you know, one day this is what you're going to see. And you're still waiting. You still haven't seen the fullness of it yet. You know, you might be sitting here uh, thinking, Craig, I just, I don't get this Jesus stuff. You know, what are you talking about God speaking? What do you mean I'm waiting for something? You know, I believe that we're all built to wait for the arrival of the Messiah, to wait for the arrival of Jesus. There's a, a brokenness in our world. There's a fallen nature to it. It was never supposed to be like that. In fact, it was created good. Ladies, you might remember, it says after uh, Eve was made, it was said very good. The world was created good. And, but mankind fell away from what it was supposed to be. We were supposed to be in relationship with God. We're supposed to spend our lives in fellowship with God, walking with him, enjoying him. But we left that behind to go our own way. To go and show we loved our independence more than our creator. And so sin entered the world. And like the impact of sin caused loads of problems. Even creation reacted. And I think it put in us a, a sense of insufficiency. A sense that there's something missing. There's something wrong. And we go through our lives trying to fill that void, trying to bring meaning and completeness. I think often it's, it's the reason we keep going for the next best thing. The latest consoles or cars, houses or boats. And there's nothing wrong with those things in themselves by any means. You know, I have a house and two cars. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But when the people... So if it's marriage, you know, when the people, objects or aims replace that which is truly good, 
take the object of our, become the object of our worship rather than our creator, that, that we get things, we, we get lost because they're not supposed to bring completeness. They're not supposed to bring completion. They're not supposed to bring us salvation. And in reality, they'll always let us down in the end because they could never do what we were asking them to do. In our broken world, humankind is built for a saviour, for a messiah. Um, And when Simeon and Anna encountered Jesus that day in the temple 2,000 years ago, they encountered, encountered perfection in a small child. They encountered the one who would lay aside his own glory to become a poor baby and to live a perfect life before dying a horrific death to pave the way to bring us back to relationship with God. Our brokenness means we're built for a Messiah. We're built for a saviour. And when we meet him, we can rejoice like Simeon and Anna. When we meet Jesus and realise what he's done, it leads us to rejoice. It leads us to tell others of what he's done for us. When we meet Jesus and follow him, we get caught up in a call to have abundant lives. A call that he himself offers us. Lives of fulfilment. Maybe you've met him today. Maybe you want to. Maybe you want to meet this saviour. Maybe you want to. Maybe you get the sense that things are broken, and something needed to be done about it. Let me encourage you. Turn to him. Turn to Jesus. He's done it. He's waiting for you. I'm going to pray, and if you feel able to, then I'd love you to amen it at the end. Lord Jesus, as, as I look back and I see all that you've done in going to the cross, your perfect birth, your going to the cross and your resurrection, Lord, and now you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And I'm just, just grateful, Lord, that you do all that for someone like me. I'm grateful that you go even so far as to do it for me. Thank you that I've heard about you and I ask that you'd speak to me and make yourself known to me. Please, Lord Jesus, help me to turn away from what has distracted me. Help me to turn away from my sin and help me to follow you. Amen. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd come now and you'd speak to us. Meet us where we are, Lord. You know, today might be the first time you've prayed a prayer like that. And, it, and if it is, I'd love to pray with you and chat with you at the end. Um, if you've not prayed the prayer, if you've not amended it, and, but you want to know Jesus, want to know more about him, come and chat to me. I'd love to, um, love to explore more with you. On the other hand, you might have amended the prayer and you're already a follower of Jesus, but you've recognized there's something wrong. You've been trying to make something else or someone else your saviour. You make sure to get prayer too in a bit when we pray together at the end. And you might just want prayer this morning. There might be something that's happened this week. There might be something that's happening in the next week. And you just want prayer. Let me encourage you. God's been moving this morning. Today's the day to get prayer. Don't just walk away. If you need prayer, you need God with you, then ask him. Ask someone here to pray with you. You've got people with the blue lanyards who happily pray. Or anyone else, I'm sure, as well. You know, Simeon must have been wondering if God was going to fulfill his promise. At some point, he said to, said to, God said to Simeon, I'm going to show you my salvation. 
We don't know exactly when that was. But, you know, you imagine, you know, if, as time goes by and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait and nothing happens. Doubt creeps in, doesn't it? You wonder, is it actually going to happen? You know, we spend a lot of time of our lives waiting, waiting for the right moment, the right opportunity, the right person, the right thing to be available to us. But in reality, we're waiting for something greater. We're waiting to meet the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, and we're waiting, we're waiting for an encounter with Jesus. In Narnia, the land had waited for a hundred years to see signs of spring's arrival. In first century Jerusalem, they'd waited 400 years. Generations of people had passed. God had not been heard. The good news to us today is that if we choose to search for him and go after him, the wait can be over today. We've all waited a long time for some sense of fulfillment. Today, you can open the door and find the one you've been waiting for you ready on the other side ready to come into your life and get to know you. That wonderful painting we probably have all seen of Jesus standing at the door and it's all covered up in thistles. And he said, you know, I'm, I stand at the door and knock. Just wait, open the door and I'll come and, come and eat with you. God's waiting. Jesus is waiting for us to respond to him. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Invite him in. If you already know him, what are you waiting for? We've shared a few things. Some things I'm sure we've had in our hearts and not felt able to share that we're waiting for. Are you, are you waiting for, to be equipped? Are you waiting to be sent to see an opportunity or give, be given an opportunity to step up? Are you waiting for freedom from a situation you found yourself in? You're waiting for God to break through in some way. You know, are you waiting for those things today? Are you waiting on Him for those things? Or are you putting it together and building worry in you inside you? Yeah, there's the Bible says, well known passage, you know, be still and know that I am God. As we wait, let's not get distracted. Let's not get distracted onto the other things. Let's wait on him. Are you expectant that he might do something? Or do you think we have a God made of wood or stone that just sits there, impotent, doing nothing? In fact, we have a living God who meets us now. He does do stuff. You know, are you expecting that he might do something in your life? Israel waited 400 years to hear from God again. We don't have to wait that long. Jesus has already come. He's ready to meet you today. Ready to answer your prayers for the things you're waiting for right now. If there's something in your life that you're waiting for, get someone to pray with you. Get prayer. Seek him. Ask him. As a final encouragement, as we're, we are looking forward now to Advent and Christmas, 
It'd be a great time to read the birth narratives of Jesus. Go to the Gospels, have a read, have a look. Because it's, it's what it's all about. You know, if you start reading Luke, if you run chapter of Luke a day from the 1st of December, you'll have read one, of the, one entire account of Jesus' life by Christmas Eve. What good way to enter Christmas, being aware of the one who it's all about. And as you do read, have a look. As you read that, when you read those birth narratives, have a look. See where the Spirit of God is moving. Because he's active there and he's active now. Nothing's changed. He's still active. He's still working. Look for the miraculous. See what God has done. And be inspired by it. God has done so much. He can do the same in your life. He can bring the freedom. He can bring the next steps. He can bring the healing. So we're going we're gonna to respond in expectation. We're going to stand in a moment and we're going to sing. But we're going to pray for one another. We're going to bring those things that we've been waiting for, waiting for answers on to him together as a family. You know, we are a church family. If you're a guest here, you're part of the family today. Um, we're here to, to pray for one another, to love one another. And uh, so if you've been waiting, grab someone. There were people in the blue, the blue lanyards. Um, if you've got one, can you stand up, please? Just so I know who it is. <laughs> so we've got Paulie and Carol at the back, Drew and, and uh, Rachel down here at the front. You pray with me, you can pray with Neil um, and Sue. Sue's there as well, if you don't know someone. But otherwise... As we sing, come together. We've got time, all right? We've got time to pray. Don't dash off at the end. Um, But let's stand. Let's have the band up, and I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we are a grateful people. We're grateful for the fact you humbled yourself coming as a baby boy for us to bring salvation to bring freedom to bring relationship with God to make it possible again so Lord I pray that you be working in us now by your spirit Lord bring to light things that we've been waiting for and we haven't seen the result of yet bring to mind those things we want freeing from Be with us, Lord, as we pray for one another. Hear our prayers, I pray. and um, Let us be a people equipped for the work you called us to. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen.